Luke 23. We'll begin reading with verse 39 through 43. Then one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and, and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we, we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has d done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The topic tonight is paradise. What is paradise? It is generally supposed by most professed Christians, that the word paradise and heaven are synonymous, that they are both used to describe the eternal home of the believer. Most people suppose that the word paradise appears many times in the Bible, but it actually does not. It is not used at all in the Old Testament and only occurs three times in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the word paradise is translated from the Greek word <coughs> paradosis, meaning a park or garden. And by implication, we could say the Garden of Eden. Remember in Genesis, the second chapter, and the eighth verse, God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put man which he had formed. The thought came to me <coughs> quite a while ago in reading the first, <coughs> second chapters and third chapters of Genesis, where Adam was told after he was placed in the garden that they were to subdue the earth. And the thought came to me that probably the only place that was a paradise and was the ideal place was that spot there where Adam and Eve were placed. And then if they were faithful, they were to go out and bring the whole world, the whole rest of the earth, into that condition. But since they did not then, they lost the Garden of Eden and the earth was still under a curse. Because of sin, man was driven out of Eden. Or a paradise, a park. But paradise was lost, but not lost forever. And that's the good news of the gospel. And I believe that the gospel started right after Adam sinned and Eve sinned, 
and they were cast out of the garden, that Jesus spoke something about the seed of the woman. Now, it was very vague, uh, a statement. But then as you progress through Genesis, come down to the 12th chapter and the covenant that God made with Abraham, we learn a little more about it. Then as we go down to the 49th chapter, then we learn a little more that there was going to be one come from the tribe of Judah, that the seed of the woman was from the tribe of Judah. So all the way from the book of Genesis down through the book of Revelation, we have the unfolding of the restoring of the paradise that was lost. Man's earthly home and the blessing of everlasting life has always been connected with the earth. As you study and as we have studied the Bible, and we know this well, and it's always good to bring these things to our remembrance, well, that's what God told Moses, to go over these things and over these things and keep the children of Israel in remembrance. Even though they knew it, we still have to stir up our minds. <laughs> that God that God was going to restore this. Now the gospel message continues in the third chapter of Acts in a sermon that Peter preached, beginning with the 19th verse. He said, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. Here's another glimpse that God is going to bring back this Garden of Eden to the condition it was when he created the earth and the whole earth is involved. The times of restitution of all things. This has been the message of the Church of God all the years. That's why our publication has, has been named the Restitution Herald. We have a church in southern Illinois that's called the Restitution Church of God. This is one of our vital doctrines that God is going to restore. Restitution is not mentioned too many times in the Bible. It's mentioned in two different ways. It's mentioned in the way that I'm speaking to you this evening of God restoring. And then in the Gospels, Jesus said that if we have defrauded any person, we should restore that. And remember what Zacchaeus said? If he had taken anything from man, he would restore it. Was it was fourfold? Restitution. So God expects us to make restitution. When we ask for forgiveness and when we are baptized, that we have harmed anybody or offended anybody, that's restitution. Make, make it right. 
The coming, uh, the coming of the Messiah and the establishment of his kingdom was the hope of Israel. I've been going through the Bible, going up into the book of Job now, but through the uh, Pentateuch, I've noticed over and over, and also in the Chronicles and the Kings and Samuel, this promise of a kingdom, that God was going to have a kingdom, that there was a throne, and that throne was to be in Jerusalem, and there would be a king who would sit upon that throne and reign in righteousness. And in the New Testament, at the very opening in, in Luke, where the angel told Mary that the son which would be born to her would take the throne of David and rule over the house of Jacob forever. Jesus came to be a king in this long-promised kingdom. The kingdom was not established when Jesus was here on earth. The kingdom was not established on the day of Pentecost. There's something we have to keep in mind, that there's distinctions. The church and the kingdom are two different things. The church is the body of Christ that he's calling out today to prepare to be rulers in the kingdom, which will be established when Jesus comes. I don't like to hear people refer to the church as the kingdom of God on earth. That's not scriptural. The scripture teaching is that the church of God, as Paul speaks of the church of God and the Jews and the Gentiles or the nations, they are separate entities. And today we are in the church and God is calling people up. When he returns for the times of restitution, then the church age will have been finished and we will enter then into the kingdom and God's blessing upon the earth. When, he, when Jesus was arrested, you remember one of the charges that was brought against Jesus was that he called himself a king. And they had him crucified by stirring up the people, and especially the rulers, that this man was going to take over the Roman government and overthrow the government that was then. And we, as we read in this chapter where he was on the cross, the inscription on the cross was, The King of the Jews. Now we wonder how these two, this one man knew enough to say, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Well, it could be possible that he heard Jesus preach about a kingdom, for that was the central teaching of Jesus. Also, when he read that inscription that he was the king of the Jews, then he believed and said, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. This statement is used to support the tradition that the righteous go immediately to heaven 
when they die. Remember, Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And we're uh, <coughs> speaking about the original scriptures and the, tra uh, the translation. In the original scriptures and in the early manuscripts, there was no punctuation. And, it's, and if we read this, <clears throat> punctuate, without uh, putting the comma, comma, comma in a different place, we get the sense of it. Assuredly, I say unto you today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now, there are several reasons that we know that Jesus did not enter paradise when he died that day. It was common for a person that was hanged on the cross to live several days before dying and suffering. Remember, they were not to be on the cross during the holy days. And that was a Passover time. So they were taken down and these thieves' legs were broken, so they couldn't escape. But when they came to Jesus, he has already died, and they marveled, people marveled at that, and that was the mercy of God, but he didn't have to suffer. Then that day he was laid in a tomb, and he was in that tomb three days and three nights, in the death state or a state of unconsciousness. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. And remember what he said? To Mary, touch me not, for I have not ascended to my Father. Jesus did not go to heaven until 40 days after his resurrection. Where he was, the Bible doesn't say. But he appeared to his disciples and how many times we do not know. We have some instances, and it seemed twice to appear to them on the first day of the week. And then he finally appeared to them and ascended into heaven. He was in the grave or the shield, in Sheol. Jesus did not go anywhere at that time except to the grave. The same is true of both of those thieves. They may have died <coughs> the next day or the day after, or however long they could stand, uh, their bodies would stand all of this. But when they died, they were also, uh, whether they were placed in a grave, Josephus has said that criminals that were crucified were cast into the valley of Gehenna, which was a place where garbage was burned and their bodies were cremated or burned up. Jesus was given a burial. This wealthy man had the tomb and he put him in the tomb. The Bible teaches that Jesus died, that he poured out his soul unto death. That this, he was in Sheol. After he was raised, he said, I'm not ascended. Now then, the second place that we find the word paradise, Paul uses it in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, beginning with verse 2. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up in the paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. And of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. Now, if you read your diaglot, or any word-for-word -word translation, you will find that this word caught up signifies that he was caught away or caught over in the paradise. And when we get to the ne uh, next use of it over in Peter, you will understand this. And you understand my understanding that I'll give you of the third heaven. I don't believe that there's a heaven here and a heaven here and a heaven here. The Muslims speak about the seventh heaven. But the Bible speaks of a new heaven and a new earth. And we'll get into that a little later. The new heaven, the new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Isaiah 66, 1 says, This heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Now let's look to Second Peter, the third chapter, and I'd like to read verses 3 through 13. Second Peter chapter 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Notice Peter speaks here now of heavens and the earth. And he said that they were destroyed by water. This is the first heavens and the earth. But the heavens and the earth which now exist are kept in store by the same word reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly man. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now we are told that the heavens and the earth, which now exist, Paul calls it this present evil age. This is the second heavens and the earth that we are living in. Then as we go on down, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. 
Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Here's the third heaven and earth. This is the heaven and earth that the one that Paul was speaking about, and some people think that it could have been Paul, and if you count back 14 years from this writing, it brings you to the time when Paul was stoned in Lystra and left for dead. And God may have given him a vision at that time. And he was told, <coughs> or whoever it was, they were not, it's, uh, to utter these words, they were not to tell or write down what they saw. But when we come to the book of Revelation, and John is given the revelation, then he is told to write these things. And when we come into the tw 21st and 22nd chapters, of the book of Revelation, after the millennium, we find a new heavens and a new earth. Now, putting it together, this new heavens and a new earth, I believe, begins, the whole process begins with the coming of Christ. I look at the, time, the millennial age as a period of a thousand years in which the Lord is reigning with his saints, and they're in, a wor in the work of restoring and bringing this earth back to the paradise that it was in the, in the book of Genesis before the disruption. And when this is finished, then Jesus turns the kingdom over to the Father, that God may be all in all. Not that Jesus stops reigning, <clears throat> Not that the saints stop reigning, because we have clear verses in Revelation that Jesus is going to reign forever and ever, and that the saints are going to reign forever. The only thing that happened was the work of restitution was finished. Those who, at, that time, at the end of that time, who disobeyed God will be cast into the lake of fire and be destroyed. The righteous people will enter into the eternal age. Paradise always has to do with the earth. The promises to the, to the bride class in, in Revelation 2.7, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Here we have the third time this word is used. This is a promise to the bride class, those who are faithful and called out from the world and remain faithful unto the end. These overcomers then will enjoy the blessings of a restored paradise, the original Garden of Eden restored. In Revelation, one of the promises of the churches, those seven churches, one is, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. 
not a literal crown that we'll be wearing upon our head, but we will be exalted to the highest form of life, the divine immortality, the same life that Jesus has now. When he was raised, he was raised to immortality. And he is the only one that has entered into that state where we have in the resurrection chapter Christ the firstfruits, then those that are Christ at his coming. That's when the church is going to receive immortality. We are mortal now. If Jesus doesn't come in our lifetime, we'll die. But when we partake of the first resurrection, we'll be immortal and will be associated with Jesus in his kingdom. This is the goal that was set up before the Apostle Paul when he said that he was striving, that he might attain unto that resurrection the one out from among the dead. Then paradise, scripturally speaking, is the home on earth. All the blessings of that earthly plane of life. I was thinking when we were when I was talking about the earth being our home, years ago in Rockford, there was a man came from Wheaton College and was teaching the book of Daniel, and some of us went to hear him. And he had a question and uh, period. And uh, somebody got up, a man or a woman, I'm not sure, not doesn't make any difference. But I said this, this, uh, call him my name, doctor, so-and-so. I have been following carefully all that you said in these lectures, and everything is centered on the earth. Isn't there any place of going to heaven? And I remember what this man said. He said, now, I'll answer that if you come to me personally. I don't want to say anything in this church because my view is entirely opposite from their view, and it would cause, uh, create an uproar. We all thought and got from what he said to this person that he believed just as he was teaching, that everything centered on the earth and that man's eternal home would be on the earth. There are many people, not a great number, of Bible students who have studied the Bible closely that have come to this conclusion and have found that nowhere the thing that started my, me were, uh, thinking. That I was, as I was studying in another church and preaching in another church, I could not find one scripture in the Bible that spoke of going to heaven when you died, or of anybody going to heaven but Jesus. And I inquired and round, and nobody could give me any answer. But when I found the Church of God, I found the answer. We're going to have a restored human race. The Garden of Eden is a small sample of what will, what will be prepared for us 
in the coming days after the time of restitution. Then will come the full answer to our Lord's prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Paradise lost, paradise gained.